You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. They offer just about every battery under the sun, from car and truck batteries to batteries for your trail cameras and rangefinders. Select retail locations even offer cell phone repair and cracked screen repair. Find a local retail location at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Vortex Optics. All right, everybody, I, 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 I'm already kind of giggling because this is a crazy podcast you're about to listen to. Um, I, this is the first time I've ever heard of anything like this, right? Pe- like people discover hunting in all different ways, all different shapes through all different people, right? Some people start young through their family. Some people have a mentor. Some people, uh, you know, are adults and become interesting, you know, interested in it and go through whatever path that leads to. But today's guest, he's into drugs. He's into doing dumb shit. He gets busted. He goes to prison for three years, three years in prison. And while he's in prison, he gets turned on through another inmate, uh, through magazines, through reading articles about deer hunting. And this intrigues him. And he says, you know what? When I get out of here, I'm going to become a deer hunter. And gosh, darn it, he does it. (laughs) So, I mean... It, it, it can come from anywhere, right? And this is the first for me, first time I've ever heard a story like this. And uh, that's that's what that's what we're doing today. Um, excellent, excellent episode. And I, I hope you guys are ready for it because it's it's a good one. So I'm just gonna do some quick housekeeping. I'm gonna do the commercials and I'm gonna get right into it. But uh, here's what I'm here's what I'm gonna say. Please, there's a new episode of the Nine Finger Kitchen on the Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel. Please go out and uh, give that a view. It's a really good recipe. I made General Sow's chicken, or excuse me, General. I'm an idiot. General Sow's backstrap 
with some peppers and some vegetables man it is really good uh, over a better rice oh man it's uh I'm, I'm getting hungry just talking about it please go to the nine finger chronicles instagram and facebook page follow along please go to itunes or wherever you download your podcast and uh subscribe that's what helps me out the, the most is when you subscribe to one of these uh, one of these podcasts, and then uh, I guess that's it really. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or, or concerns, man, be sure to hit me up on um, you know Instagram or Facebook or send me an email. And dude, I, I chat with anybody, absolutely anybody. So today i have a list here commercials wasparchery.com head on over to wasparchery.com right you've heard me talk before these guys uh, are making some of the most durable some of the toughest broadheads on the market and they're designed that way right so a majority of their heads are made in america uh, so what, what we have here is the best materials, great engineering and design, all at the tip of an arrow. You make a, you make the shot, the broadhead does the damage, right? So you focus on your shot, you let the broadhead do the work, put that sucker in the right spot, and it's a dead deer every single time. And I don't know, it's just a brand that I've, I feel confident with over time. I've never had a broadhead not work from from wasp and that's why i just keep coming back to them and keep coming back to them and keep coming back to them is because i'm confident in their equipment and when you're confident in in their in your equipment then guess what um you you're not thinking about the equipment in the heat of the moment and dude that's really that's really what it's all about so wasparchery.com and at checkout enter the discount code nine fingers 2021 so that's the number nine followed by the word fingers 2021 and you're going to save 20 percent off of your purchase so go take advantage of that next we have vortex optics um dude vortex is a great company they're doing some really amazing things um at uh, at the time not only from the education standpoint right they have something right now called the uh, vortex edge i believe it's called let me pull this up real quick yeah the vortex edge and it's basically just uh really good training on firearms how to shoot and i i'm not a firearms guy right so i can appreciate the education that these guys are taking out of you know their their busy day they're not focusing so much on the sales but they're focusing on the end user which in in turn could uh, generate some sales but they're really focused on giving back to their end users and uh man that makes lifelong customers and i'll tell you right now just through using the vip warranty on two different occasions with my binoculars they have a lifelong a lifelong customer in myself just because not only are their products durable they're tough they are amazing optics though like when you look through them it's crystal clear in really in a variety of different conditions whether it's bright outside or it's dark you know it's getting towards that gray light time frame they have binoculars that work in a variety of different conditions including spotting scopes including rifle scopes including range finders Uh, they have accessories like tripods now they have an apparel line that's badass so 
Vortex is doing some really good things and they give back to the hunting community. So uh, vortexoptics.com, go check out their, all their product lines. Man, I love my spotting scopes that I have from them and I also love my binoculars. So uh, take that into consideration. Other than that, we have Hunt Stand and Hunt Stand is a new, newer partner this go around and, and I'm playing on it, right? You just you you you're doing your digital scouting any time of day you're laying out a detail it's information right it's basically an information gathering platform where when you're out in the field and you see a rub or you see a scrape or you see a deer or you see a bed or you put your trail cameras or an access route or um, you can map out a food plot you can know the wind direction you can know the property owner's name you can know the boundaries between private and public like this app is just crazy with all the functionality behind it right so you can download the app for free and then you can upgrade to the pro platform and check this out this is no joke it's 30 bucks a year for all that functionality and that it's no wonder why that app is the number one like the number one downloaded hunting app i guess you if you want to call it a hunting app that there is man it's it's badass tons of functionality it's hunter friendly and it allows you to just gather information and put yourself in the best position possible every single time you go out into the woods so if you want to find out more about hunt stand you can go download download it at google play or anywhere that apps are downloaded or you can find out more information at huntstand.com uh yeah badass app so there you have it ladies and gentlemen huge shout out to all the brands huge shout out to you for taking time out of your day to listen to this and uh let's get rocking three two one all right on the phone with me now from florida mr justin henry justin how we doing man not too bad man how about yourself it's going good you staying dry down there uh we actually just had uh, a tropical storm slash hurricane came through this afternoon but in true florida fashion uh been outside shooting my bow and no worries. <laughs> no worries, at, huh? Uh, that's funny. I just had a, a hurricane come through or a big storm come through, and now I'm shooting my bow. No, no problem. What? Uh, it got me. It got me off of work, so that's that's a plus. <laughs> uh, let me let me ask you a couple questions. What is it like? Is does it rain all the time down there in Florida? Like when I was down there, it'd be like once a day it rained, but then it was gorgeous the rest of the day. It's seasonal. Um, you know, we're right now, we're hitting our rainy season, which, uh, starts usually about May. Uh, and then usually about September, October, it starts to lay down for a little bit. And that's when our, uh, weather, the humidity tends to, I guess you can call it leaving. Uh, last year was an anomaly. We had some fantastic cool weather from, I mean, it was 69 on opening day of bow season. Uh, which was super shocking, and we had quite a winter. But, yeah, normally the, the rainy season's over October-ish. Okay. So let's see here. Uh, what part of Florida are you from? Uh, Osteen, which is about 30 minutes south of Daytona Beach. Daytona Beach. So you're way down there, huh? Yep. I got gotcha. you. So what's that next major city uh, south of Daytona Beach? That's uh, Naples, somewhere around there? No, we would have, uh, let's see, Daytona, Sebastian, 
Fort oh, Myers. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Fort Myers is a good three and a half hours away. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, everybody that I've ever talked to about hunting in Florida has been down in that, uh, whether it's from Tallahassee or Orlando, maybe uh, somewhere around there. You guys are, let me see, where's Daytona? I'm trying to find Daytona Daytona here. I think I know where Daytona's at. Uh, Tampa. Where is Daytona? East Coast, about the East Coast, about the middle of the state. Oh, Daytona Beach. Okay, all right. So you are up in that area. Okay, I I, I had Tampa and Daytona Beach all mixed up, but I'm I got my bearings now. So, um, you know that's a that's somewhat of a high population area. What's the what's your travel like when you have to go to try to find a place to hunt? I'm kind of fortunate we do have a place i just but we just bought a house me and my wife uh back in january and there's actually a piece of public grounds three minutes from my house the only problem is it's on the smaller side and highly highly pressured um even though that is where i shot my first deer at but that i, I try, tend to stay out of that area so it's it, the next best place is about 50 minutes to an hour uh, you know, first thing in the morning, four thirty in the morning, no traffic, but come in the afternoon, you hit traffic. So, you know, hour, yeah. hour and 10 minutes or so. I gotcha. All right. So I got a whole bunch of questions about Florida and, and that yep. kind of, that kind of deal. But, uh, <laughs> what do you, what do you do for a living? I am a foreman for a site construction company. Okay. And what kind of construction do you do? So we do all the anything from the underground to the roads to the dirt work, digging the ponds. We'll come in and clear the property and build it all the way up till the developer uh, starts going vertical, starts building houses on it. Gotcha. Okay. All right. And how many years have you been doing that? I've been, I guess, about 11. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So... <laughs> You have a very interesting story when it comes to getting into hunting, right? Uh, and I'll just kind of go Absolutely. through this proce- uh, process with you real quick. Did you grow up in a uh, a hunting family? Did you know anything about hunting before this certain point in your life? Zero. Zero. Okay, zero. All right, so we we have to start this in what sa- seems to be kind of a, a shitty part in your life. Right. Um, so, Absolutely. uh, let's see, you ended up having to go to prison. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about, uh, what, what led you to be incarcerated? So anybody who knows anything about the opiate crisis knows that like the threshold of it all was kind of in Florida. I got caught up in the whole, uh, opiate crisis and found myself um as an addict and got caught up doing some stupid stuff one day and wound up in jail and that proceeded to prison time yeah and how many years were you incarcerated three total three okay however Every, you know, you you like to look at a situation like this, drugs, bad, prison, bad. But while you're in prison, 
why don't you talk to us about uh, this guy you met in prison and, and how this spark for hunting was lit? So when you first get to prison, you try to, I guess, find people that are semi-associated to your personality in a sense, friends, <laughs> trying to decipher right friends from wrong friends, I guess, more or less. Uh, so in Florida, I forget how many counties we have, but there's a prison in every county except for like three. And there's like a hundred and something counties in the state of Florida. So they say there's prisons everywhere, but they ship a lot of people up towards the panhandle, which is what they call North Florida and just kind of that panhandle area. So it's real country up there. Uh, I happened to, uh, start talking to a gentleman who, uh, up a few bunks down i constantly see him with hunting magazines and it kind of just piqued my interest you know you don't have a lot to do but read and play cards i guess more or less and work out but uh, i asked him if i could uh you know read one of his magazines and got to reading it and you know keep in mind i i've come up from a country bringing i fished my whole life everybody in my family fishes uh my mom did have a boyfriend for a few years that hunted um all rifle hunting and stuff so you know I've, I've ate deer meat before and you know just kind of you live such a rough life leading up to the events that get you into prison and you kind of while you're in there you kind of got time to figure out who you really are so you tend to fall back on the your roots you know where how your mom or dad raised you and um I kind of just reading some of the hunting magazines. I, not that I've ever been hunted, but I kind of felt, I don't know, uh, like that could definitely be me. Like I could dig this. This, this seems like right up my alley and really just every single month when he got a new magazine, it wasn't bow hunting. I don't even remember what magazine it was. Um, probably more, uh, Sided on the rifle end of things but deer hunting nonetheless and yeah. you know showed all these fantastic places like uh, iowa <laughs> and, yeah. and you know illinois and alberta and all these other cool places but never florida uh so we got to talk in and you know he does a lot of like hog hunting we are highly overpopulated with hogs so it's nothing to go in the woods and shoot a hog at any time yeah but yeah one thing led to another and we kind of just became buddies and I would just read hunting magazines and just kind of fell in love with it from afar. Yeah. So did it ever occur to you that while you're in there and you had something that you were, uh, you started to become interested in, did, did you think that it would ever lead to the passion that it, that it might be today? Oh, never in a million years. I'm so, <laughs> I'm sure all of our wives think we're crazy when it comes to bow hunting, but I mean, I'm so engulfed in it. It's, it's ridiculous. I yeah. mean, that from 3d archery to, I have my own little bow shop. I got a bow press. I mean, I have everything to do my own work and my little, I call it the doghouse, um, little aluminum shed, which I actually just shot an arrow through the shed before I got on the phone with you, which is kind of funny. So, but, um, yeah, archery is just fell in love with it, man. Yeah. So let's see here. Um, so when you were in, 
in prison and you started reading these magazines. Uh, I mean, how much of your time there was really focused on hunting? I know, I know there's for someone who's never been in prison. I, you know, I, there's a whole bunch of questions I, I have about that, but, um, did, did this guy in who had the hunting magazines in some way become like a, a mentor to you? Did he talk to you a lot about hunting or hunting strategy or, or different versions of like wild game versus small game versus deer versus turkeys, anything like that? No, not really. Um, you know, he might've shared a few stories here and there of him going hunting. Uh, but most of my learning came when I got out. Gotcha. So while you were in though, uh, what did, uh, I mean, what did you learn anything or did you, did you have any realizations or big time takeaways while you were in there? Uh, I would probably not, not too much. Um, just your, uh, you know, they, they, most of the stories of the magazines, you know, these big outfitted hunts and, you know, hindsight now i know while reading them the difference you know they didn't really talk much about public lands or anything of the such it was just kind of you know your stereotypical story you know a couple pages they talk about going out and you know sitting in a tree stand and you know big old buck comes around the corner after hitting a scrape or something and you know you shoot it and it's the greatest day of his life and it just it all seemed intriguing. Gotcha. So, you know, as y- your your incarceration time was coming to an end, did you start to put any type of plan together that was like, man, okay, here's what I'm going to do to get focused on this new thing that I'm interested in? So I'm a very spiritual person, if you want to put it that way. Um, you know, I grew up in church my whole life. Uh, just kind of fell off the wagon there and while being incarcerated you know I I gave my life back to the Lord and kind of let him take the reins and it just so happens that while I got to work release I end up meeting a girl that I went to church with um, when I was younger and we got to talking and I guess started dating if that's what you want to call it I mean it's it's dating, I guess, as much as you could possibly see the person that comes see you, you know, on visitation. And I had home passes at that particular time. So I had a job, so I was allowed to come come home and see my mom. And she would come over. Her name is Emily, who is now my wife. Um, so when we first met, she's like, oh, you know, I started, I asked, I don't even remember how the conversation started. But she's like, yeah, my stepdad bow hunts. Really? So, you know, I would ask her some questions and she would relay, you know, what little information she knew about it. But she's like, you know, uh, whenever you get out, I'm sure you guys, you know, he'll take you out and show you and everything like that. So, you know, while the months leading up to it, um, you know, I think actually I think I started getting a bow honey magazine. I think I got Peterson's bow honey magazine. She started sending me. So I some funny magazines and so i was able to start learning about bows and stuff like that and i believe within the first week of me being out i went to a pawn shop i spoke to um 
her stepdad and he kind of pointed me in the right direction said i might be able to go to a particular pay place and buy a bow and i ended up buying a uh, a used pse bow and you know 12 arrows and all this good stuff and started shooting yeah so what was uh so you had this thing and, and I'm, I'll, I'll be honest with you um i went through a period of time in my early 20s 10 and i settled down a little bit and i was pretty much just worthless uh, up until i was 30 right and then it really start started like my drinking and my my social life and all that other dumb shit that we all do kind of settled down right but throughout Absolutely. my 20s i like I, I i say this to people i say i feel like there's points of an 11 year period where i really just wasted time and it's one of those things where like unless she, I don't know. I, I wasn't taking advantage of life, right? So, right. Yeah. in somewhere around 2006, and I start. I picked up a, a bow and arrow again from my childhood, and I just cannonballed into that, and that pulled me up. Not all the way out of it, but it pulled bow hunting. Eventually, pulled me out of all of that. So, all of my time, all of my energy was dedicated to bow hunting or educating myself about bow hunting in, in some uh, way, shape or form. And that led to where I'm at today. So, you know, I, and I know was, was bow hunting something that you had planned to rely on or archery or anything like that. Now that you had, uh, you know, quote unquote found Jesus in prison. And now that you're out, you pick up that bow and were you kind of going to rely on that to help focus you on something else? Absolutely. That, that's, that was, you know, besides, you know, having a family, that was my drive and that's what kept me clean and kept me, uh, just gave me back that drive of life. Uh, just found so much therapy in shooting and, um, you know, I got out six months before opening day of bow season. So, you know, you're talking, no, I take that back. It was three and a half months. I got out in June and I started scouting at the end of June, beginning of July with, uh, her stepdad. Okay. That's cool. Um, were there any restrictions, uh, after your after your incarceration like uh, certain felons can't own handguns or something like that did you have any restrictions Correct. uh no restrictions uh, no um nothing of the sort as long as i didn't have a gun uh, all archery equipment is legal gotcha okay so it just kind of you got out and you instantly got into it um so like i you know I take sometimes you take it for granted. A guy can take it for granted all the uh, all the freedoms that we have in this country, and then you all your freedoms taken away. Right, you're on somebody else's schedule, not your own. Yep. At, at that mm -hmm. point, you get out. What was that like? I mean, did you go hard at this scouting and deer hunting thing once you got out? Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Jason, who is her stepdad, me and him he's as diehard as the next person um every weekend you know 
six hours on a Saturday, maybe a few hours on a Sunday, putting cameras out, showing me, you know, all the ins and the outs, what to look for. And it was just, it was constant. Yeah. So you have, you have this freedom now you're going hard at it. Um, and the season, you know, like, so only three, three, uh, months to really prepare. And that's to not only gather Intel of where to hunt, but, uh, honing your skills as an archer as well. What was that, uh, three month period like before the, the season actually opened? Um, frustrating, exciting, you know, uh, it seemed like a lot to try to take in, um, you know, being new to it, you, you rely, I guess, a lot on, on trail cameras. So you get a picture of a doe and you're excited and, you know, I'm like, Oh sweet. I got some does walking through and cause I didn't care what I was going to shoot buck doe. It didn't matter to me. You know, I just wanted to get that first deer on the ground. And, um, yeah, um, you're excited. Just, you were excited. Yeah. And, just, just purely excited. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So where did, and you mentioned frustrated, where, where did the frustration come into play? I guess, um, trying to, in Florida, the, the layout of Florida is just so different compared to anywhere else. Um, you know, I know everybody says, Oh, my state's the hardest or whatever the case may be, but Florida is just relentless. Our swamps are, are just, the gnarliest swamps, I mean, snakes, gators, spiders, uh, I mean, anything and everything, moccasins, rattlesnakes, the whole nine yards, it's everywhere. And the the deer tend to want to stay kind of in that cooler area that the swamp swamp gives. And just trying to fig, find trails and old sign from the year before, because I hadn't seen fresh sign yet before. Um, so trying to judge old sign. You know, I went out there a couple times by myself that were, um, you know, my buddy wouldn't have gone with me and just trying to figure it out, you know, kind of on your own, I guess, more or less. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So you're, you're frustrated. You're excited. When does Florida's archery season open? Usually about the somewhere between September 15th and September 19th, usually every year, depending on how that Saturday falls. Okay. And so September hits, uh, I take it you, you had a job at that. Did you have a job at that point? Yeah. Okay. So you had a job and at this point you have a girlfriend. Is she your wife yet? No, she, um, still girlfriend at the time. Okay. So you got a, you got a girlfriend, you got a job, you have other things in your life aside from hunting. Uh, what was your goal that first season as far as, uh, trying to hunt and, and hunt as much as possible to continue that? that drive now that you're out of jail uh goal really to i think everybody's main goal obviously would be to shoot something but really just to see some deer um get that encounter know what it's like uh to to have your legs shake out from underneath you um to draw back on a deer if if, you know if if the opportunity arise um yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so on top of that, right. Did any of those old habits 
or old friends that got you in trouble in the first place kind of try to creep back in your life? Because I know that when it comes to addiction, um, and I've seen it from friends that I used to have, uh, they're not, they're unfortunately no longer, you know, I'm not going to, they're, they're really not my friends anymore because addiction have, has uh-huh. taken them in a different direction. Um, but they, they've served, they serve their prison time. They come out clean, they're clean and, and, and living a healthy life for a little bit. Then they get pulled back in. Was that temptation ever there when, when you got out? Oh, absolutely. Um, it, it was kind of a hit or miss thing. Um, I guess usually when you're bored or on downtime, you know, the old saying, you know, I don't handle the devil's workshop, I guess. But, it, but and it, it's really the truth, though. I mean, it's when you're not staying constantly busy. Um, and I think that's a big reason why I stay as busy as I do now. I mean, my wife tells me constantly, she's like, you're just, you're nonstop. I don't sit down for too long. It's hard for me to sit down and watch two or three hours of TV. I got, I'm, I'm constantly up, down doing stuff. Uh, yeah. but yes, the temptations were, were definitely there. Yeah. And how were you able to overcome those temptations? Uh, really just, I mean, the starting the work of a, of a family, just having everything. I had a good job. I had a, uh, a girlfriend, um, who I knew I wanted to propose to. She, I, I had a, or have a a daughter from a previous relationship before I went to prison. Um, so, you know, I was trying to rekindle that relationship and get back on the right side and prove myself, of course, because everybody's heard it a thousand times. Oh, I've changed, I've changed. So, you yeah. know, having to prove yourself, yep. um, just really having that drive, um, you know. Awesome. So, and that, yeah. that's good, right? I mean, uh, your life is coming back together right in a, in a positive way you have positive reinforcement mm-hmm. in your life you, you, it sounds like you have a, a a good family structure that's there through your girlfriend your stepdad and, you know maybe even some of your your other family members you have hunting that is uh, uh starting to become a passion of yours you're trying to work a, a, a an older daughter or a daughter back into your life from when you were, you know, before prison or whatever. And, uh, so I just see this path in front of you, you know, like, Oh my God, everything, everything's going great. Now, how did that yep. first hunting season go for you? So the very first day, the very first morning, sunlight's cracking over the canopy and all of a sudden there's a doe standing in front of me at like 20 yards. Well, I got just way too excited when to go reach for my bow. And as soon as I reached for my bow, she blew and ran. Right. And, <laughs> and that's I, exactly how that went for quite some time. I'll be honest with you. I'm glad you said it that way. Because if you were like, <laughs> the sun came up, there was a doe standing in front of me, I drew back and drilled her. That's not how my first experiences uh, with hunting went. No, they went exactly not. like your first experience <laughs> with hunting went where it's just like what am i doing wrong just blowing yeah. all over the place so what did you learn from those experiences uh really i mean just movement is so key uh i'm kind of uh not big on heights so i'm not the kind of guy that's going to be sitting in my climber at the time a climber uh you know 
23, 25 foot off the ground, that ain't happening. I'm more like a 15, 16 foot, maybe 17 if I'm feeling froggy on that day kind of person. So I knew my movement was so, was so critical, you know, slow movements. Um, yeah, just movement was just so key. Um, I think that was my biggest ordeal. I mean, I think maybe if I would have actually slowed it down, I might've actually been able to maybe even draw back on her for all I know. Yeah. So it's kind of funny you say that I got a, I had a guy who at the time I was filming all of my hunts and this guy's like, Hey, I want to, I want to break into the, the, the the media industry i'm willing to be a camera guy and do some editing so i had this guy i'm like all right well let's let's pop up in this lone wolf and sit and you know i'll kind of run you through how all the filming works and and then uh you know we can talk to you a little bit about the editing and this he he gets to the tree stand and he goes well i just also want to let you know that i'm not a big fan of heights and this guy (laughs) was scared white like he was trying to hug the tree as close as possible. I hear, you know, here I am several, you know, several years of experience just zipping up and down the tree. He's like, he's so scared. He can't even run the camera when the deer start coming by. I'm just like, Hey man, you might want to think what uh, profession you want to get into because this <laughs> is not for you. So you nope. say, you say that how, how high off the ground were you that first year? Uh, probably, I would say about 13 foot off the ground. Well, that seems you know, I mean, it's lower than what I go, but it seems still somewhat high at, compared to some guys I know who hunt do hunt real low to the ground. Um, so you felt that movement was a big uh, point for you where you were failing all of the time and you were getting busted because of your movement. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. So after that, uh, did you start to, I mean, did you get that movement was the cause of this problem? Did you start slowing down? Did, were you able to have deer come by you and not get spooked at all that first year? No, truthfully, it was a struggle to even get on deer. Um, our population I'd say is pretty good. Uh, the ratios off, but like I said before, Florida is just a, it's, it's monotonous. It's the same thing over again, palmetto flats, pine trees and cedar swamps. And it's in some oak trees, of course. Uh, but just really, you know, sit after sit after sit, no interaction, no interaction. Um, you know, maybe see something every, every 10th sit, you might see a doe down you know 100 200 yards away if you were sitting on like a a field edge or um a little two track or something like that but the the encounters the encounters were rare gotcha all right so you you struggled through that first year did you end up killing a deer at all not the first year no not the first year all right so second year comes around you have a little bit more time to prep you have a little bit more uh scouting time uh you know, under your belt throughout that summer and, and preparation with your equipment and stuff like that. What was your goal? You know, after you've had a real struggle first season, which can be fairly normal, even in States where the deer hunting may be considered easier. Um, what, uh, what was your goal going into that second season? To have more encounters for sure. Um, to, you know, kind of hone 
what you learned in the first season and uh, a little more practice, practicing out of the, the tree stand shooting instead of always staying on the ground shooting, um, getting comfortable with climbing, using a climber. Uh, that was kind of, uh, you know, I had no problem with ladder stands, but dragging a ladder stand in and out of public land just doesn't make sense. So it was always a climber and just getting comfortable really out of a climber and wanting to have some encounters, opportunities. Yeah. So... You know, now backtracking a little bit, that's your goal. Uh, it sounds to me like you you put in the work during the off-season to try to make that, that goal a reality. Yes. Yeah, and what did you do specifically as far as scouting is concerned? Um, same thing, you know, started maybe a little month earlier. We, we usually start around June. Our patterns, you know, down here are... They're already hard horned. So a lot of some of the block I won't say I say half a deer right now are already hard horned. I mean South Florida, we got three zones, but South Florida is their opening season their opening days in like four weeks. Okay. Five weeks. So um just kinda of lost my train of thought there. The, the scouting um, portion of it. The scout scout yeah, so uh Putting more trail cam, you know, I bought like two more trail cameras, so I had like three trail cameras, and um, trying to just figure out where these deer wanted to be. Um, you know, talking, listening. You know, I don't think I was listening to podcast. No, I wasn't listening to podcast at that time, but just talking to anybody and everybody that I could about that I knew hunted, asking them questions, and just trying to figure out exactly what I'm doing wrong. You know, why they're seeing deer and why I'm not. Yeah. Okay, so did at the the second season comes around? Did that scouting, did, did that addition, additional prep work start to pay off? There were times it was definitely easier than the first than the first season. The second season, I did have a few more encounters, uh, but still wasn't able to close the deal on the second year. Second year, okay. Was there any takeaways from the second year? Did you? Did you understand what you were doing wrong? And then were you able to make adjustments off of the, uh, that incorrect action? Yeah. Um, I don't think I could really pinpoint an exact thing. Um, I think just time, you know, being new to it, going through all the newbie uh, aches and pains, I guess, of bow hunting, uh, no understanding that this stuff is hard. Um, it's not for the faint of heart. It's a hundred degrees when you're walking in and out of those woods and really having to get away from people yeah. is key down here. I mean, there's road, there's two tracks everywhere. I mean, they're running like blocks. A lot of our public lands are ran by, um, timber companies and, you know, so they got to have their road access roads. So, I started to realize the further off the road you get, it seems to be a little, a little better. Yeah. Okay. So you were, and you were living that public land life, right? I mean, you were from the get go from the get go. Yeah. All right. So year two, kind of a bust. It's kind of a little bit of the Mm -hmm. same, but a little easier than, than year number one, perfectly normal. If you were to ask me, uh, as far as a new bow hunter is concerned, uh, hunting some, public ground high pressured thick nasty terrain all that good stuff what year three year four um you know how long how much longer did it take you 
for something to click or for you to become more efficient? So, so year season three starts, we had a hurricane come in opening weekend. So basically a lot of the public lands were closed down, um, all that good stuff. So the following weekend is, I guess, second weekend, but opening weekend for most people. Uh, so I tell the wife, I said, hey, I'm going out here to uh, so-and-so, and I'll be hunting. It was an evening hunt. I didn't get to get out in that morning. And since we had all that rain, it was kind of flooded out, so it had pushed the deer up. So as I'm walking to my – I got my climber on my back, um, maybe 200 yards. I'd say about 300 yards from the parking lot, and all of a sudden I hear some deer in the Palmetto Flats go running. I was like, oh, they're already up here moving and feeding around. So I creep up to my where I want to hang my stand, and as I drop my climber onto the ground, I hear some movement behind me. And I slowly, as I had learned, slowly went to go look back behind me, and there was a doe 20 yards behind me, kind of behind the palmettos, staring at me, had me pinned. I'm like, oh, man. I was like, here's my chance for the day, and I'm already, I got my climber on the ground, my bow's on the ground, no arrow knocks, no nothing. I did have my release on. I did learn to walk in with my release, especially in the evening time. I said, well, if this is meant to be, she's going to continue to stand there. So I slowly reached down. I was able to get my bow, and I looked back. You know, I'm kind of looking at her, looking at what I'm doing, and as I got my bow, She's kind of, she stomped, stomped again. I was able to knock an arrow and I drew back and shot her. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she all of a sudden just kind of disappears. I was like, man, did she run off? Did I miss? What, what happened? So needless, so I, Instead of me going and chasing her straight down, I was like, well, I'm going to go ahead and finish setting up my tree stand, my climber, and I'm going to climb up, and I'll sit for a little bit and get, you know, I'm, I got so much adrenaline pumping through me, I could barely talk. I was trying to figure out, you know, what the next move is, and it was just, I wanted to call somebody. So I climb up like 10 feet in my climber, and I turn around, and she's laying right there. Oh, buddy. Yeah. So how jacked were you? Jacked? Oh my goodness! I could have, I could have ran home. It was just, <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was so excited. I called my wife, and you know, I was crying, and just all that hard work. I mean, two years of grinding and grinding and yeah. grinding, and opening day, first ten minutes, I hadn't been there in ten minutes, and I had a deer on the ground. Yeah, with a little luck, right? Yeah, with a, with a lot of luck. With a lot, right? And sometimes luck, uh, luck. Uh, you, I mean, you were in the right spot. That's the takeaway, right? Maybe it didn't Correct. go yep. as as you planned, where you were set up and the deer came by and you shot it from the tree stand. You were in the right spot. That's where the deer were at. You knew where you were. You needed yep. to be there, and uh, sure enough, it it paid off for you. So, uh, you get this. You get your first ever deer, right? Mm-hmm. Some people. I'm, you know, some people are like you, they get jacked and it's just this additional motivation. Some people may be like, well, that's, uh, that's all right. And then some people are just like, well, it's not as cool as I thought it was. Right. Sounds to me that you 
were that that was the ultimate motivator for you one of them anyway uh yep to you know you shot that you shot this first ever doe what was the rest of that season like for you that season uh, i had a few more encounters just wasn't able to close the door on the just got got that one doe uh that season okay all right so what were you thinking about the rest of the season? Like, hey, I got one deer. Why is this next deer still so hard to get? Um, I think I wanted a buck. Like, every, like every, you know what I mean? It's yeah. just, I want to shoot a buck. I, You know, my father-in-law's got all these deer on the wall, and you stare at him like, oh, man, I can't wait. And I guess the sad part is, you know, by me finally shooting that doe in my, in my head, I, I felt like I signified myself as a bow hunter finally. Yeah. You know, I'm not just this guy who walks around with the bow and, and talks about it all the time. I actually shot something. Yeah. And uh, that was a that was a weird place for me, you know, because I, I knew that it, it, it's supposed to be more than just that. And, and it was more than that. But I guess mentally, two years of, you know, not shooting anything and doing feeling like you're doing everything right uh, and nothing – coming from it it yeah. was just uh one of those things yeah well i'll tell you what man this in a, in a way i have a, a bit of a uh i relate to you in in that because i have these people they send me elk and mule deer t-shirts and i'm just like <laughs> like i've killed tons of whitetails with a bow but yeah. i have not yeah. killed an elk and i have not killed a mule deer with a bow and i said to myself like, I don't feel like I should be wearing, you know, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a elk hunter yeah. t-shirt or oh, I'm yeah. a mule deer hunter t-shirt because I haven't killed those things yet. I want to be, I'm a wannabe right. in that category and I work hard to go do those things, but it's like, I, so I get it, man. I, I get, I get where you're coming from on that. So you, you, uh, you walked into a doe on year number three, you know, was after that. Was there any aha moments that you had throughout maybe your number? Because you're you're eight years in, right? Yes, sir. Okay, so you're eight yep. years into bow hunting, and, and is this upcoming season going to be year number eight or year number nine? This will be year number eight. Okay, year number eight. So seven years under your belt. Um, in in that f- year four, five, six, seven. Um, what else have you learned? I mean, have you, have you found success yet? What, what yes, you would so consider consistent my, success? My, yes. Now I finally feel like I have, um, what so, led up to that? Uh, I think mentors, um, just kind of, um, I mean, grinding a little bit harder and learning this. And I picked up on some podcasts and just it golfs. I kind of just engulfed myself in everything bow hunting. I mean, anything that had to do with the bow and hunting, I was there. I was all about it. Let me read it. Let me retain the information. Let me watch it on YouTube. Let me soak it in. Now, a lot of it's not relevant towards Florida-based, but uh, my my wife's stepdad and another buddy of us, we all go to the same church, and they'd been going to Kentucky every year for the past few years and i was kind of on the sideline kind of like waiting for the invite and finally year four i got the invite so that's a whole new stage of jacked 
um, I'm like, oh, man, I get to go up to where there's some good bucks, and maybe the deer will start doing what you know you see on TV and all this other stuff. And, of course, Kentucky was a struggle at first, too, because trying to figure a whole new type of terrain out, whole new deer movements, everything. You know, they actually have a rut. I mean, we have a rut, but nothing like the Midwest or Kentucky or something like that. Um, so we got up to Kentucky year four and it was a struggle, but it was fun. Um, buddy shot some deer, nothing too crazy. Um, and I did have an opportunity at, at some deer I missed. Um, year five was actually good. I shot, no, I, I'm sorry. Year four, I shot a spike and I shot him high, and we trailed him for, like, 500 yards and for hours, and I never found him. Okay. Um, so that was a bummer. You know, I uh, wasn't I, I, was, I wasn't ashamed to shoot a spike. I wanted to shoot a spike really bad. Um, I did shoot um, some small uh, – uh, two spikes in Florida. Um let me see. I don't know. It was either at the I sh- maybe year three. I shot a spike in a doe, and then I shot a spike in Florida on like the fourth year. Either way, I was trying to work myself up, but it was all the opportunities I got were does and spikes, so I was taking them. Yeah, kind absolutely. of brown it down, get it get it under my belt. Yeah, and that uh, is the best you're... thing to do, man. I tell you right now, I went through a stage where I thought I needed to shoot big bucks only, and I passed a ton of opportunity to, to just shoot deer and uh it led to me not being comfortable around shooting deer and when the big boy stepped out i kind of crapped my pants a little bit and uh mm-hmm. you know what i mean and and I, I didn't have the composure that i needed yep absolutely so so, so yeah and good the the rest of like year six you're you're five you're six i mean did has the strategy started to click with you yet out there have you know through all this time now spent scouting down in florida um have you been able to locate deer easier yes um a lot easier um i I, in comparison a lot easier it's it's still you know same kind of grind and struggle to really hone in on them um and i'm not hunting particular deer uh, i mean i do even if i get them on camera a few times in like a two-month period i mean the chances i mean i kind of know maybe the area and if it's kind of on a luck thing on a particular deer but if a good one walks in i'm i'm, I'm definitely going to shoot it um and i've kind of just working myself up i shot a, a decent an old um eight point uh he was broken up on one side last year on a quota hunt that we had down here so i'd shot um him in florida um and then in kentucky things were really clicking last year was a phenomenal year um i mean i had days that looked like something <laughs> off of this you know the uh the outdoor the sportsman channel i mean deer just big you know, good one thirties running everywhere. Um, just outside of range, uh, seeing bucks fight. I mean, just, it was just one of those incredible year. I mean, I brisket shot a, probably a hundred and I'd say a low one thirties, uh, 12 point on the very first morning, um, in Kentucky last year. And that was very sickening. 
extremely sickening. Yeah. I thought I was going to, I switched to saddle hunting. I bought a saddle thinking that might cure some of my height issues. Uh, just kind of feeling more secure and it has, it really has. It's, it's been phenomenal, but I had this bright idea of without trying it out that, um, I missed a, uh, an opportunity to shoot a buck down here in Florida because I hadn't practiced my offside shot on yeah. the saddle and I end up <clears throat> whiffing on that opportunity. So I was like, I need a bigger platform. So I was like, well, maybe I can use the bottom part of my climber and I'll have a bigger platform and I'll just hang in my saddle. No big deal. So first morning in Kentucky, I hike up to this ridge, you know, you're pumped with energy. It's November 5th. It's just, you know, let's go. And I get to the tree and I hook up the bottom part of my climber and hook up my saddle and realize that I have no way to climb up. My body sits too close. When I go limp on the saddle, I don't have no way to sit to bring my legs up. So here I am looking like a jackass at <laughs> six o'clock in the morning on top of this ridge. And I have to, I'm basically stuck sitting on the, the, the stand of my climber. So I'm kind of just leaning up against the tree. It's, comes to be about 8 30 i was like you know what at least it's a beautiful morning if i see something cool i'll move on it this afternoon i didn't really expect any opportunity to happen and about nine o'clock i just happened to look over my left shoulder and here he comes 40 yards down like i'm about like two-thirds up the ridge and he comes walking he's going to be about 40 yards but i got a little bit of brush if he stops there i'm going to have a little bit of brush in front of him but, of course, it's the first morning, and I'm like, maybe I could just thread the needle. You've been practicing, Justin. I was shooting some 3D archery stuff, uh, just some tournaments and stuff. I was like, you can thread the needle. You got this. Well, I thread the needle, but it ricocheted off of a branch, and instead of going back, it went forward, and I ended up brisket shooting them. Dang. Yeah. Tough. But – uh you live and you learn. Yeah, that's a fact. All right, so so going into your eighth season now, where where are we at? Like, what what's your goal? What's your what's your confidence level of trying to uh, complete a season with maybe not only the you know the locating the deer, the strategy standpoint, but the the actually getting an arrow in a deer and killing them. Where where are we at? You know, leading into year eight. Um, feeling pretty confident. Um, you know, I've been deploying cameras down here for the past three and a half months. Um, actually just pulled cards last weekend and got a, a, a pretty good dandy on there, you know, for Florida to have an 80. So in Florida, a hundred inches is makes, um, the record book in Florida. So, you know, a hundred inches is like the mark down here in Florida. So I got a, I got a, like a 70 to an 80 incher and one maybe even a little bit bigger than that that's been on camera. Um, so I'm kind of feeling like I'm in the right area. Uh, I just hopefully no hurricanes, real bad hurricanes happen before opening day because that throws a wrench and all sorts of stuff. Awesome. Well, um, dude, it sounds like you, you've, you've got your bearings together right or whatever that saying is you know you 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 the the compass is pointing in the right direction as and and you're able to learn from you know all of the years that you've been hunting and and sometimes it can definitely take longer in a in an environment like florida i'm guessing i've never hunted florida 
but you know you hear like you hear that florida is a rough place to hunt especially in the terrain and the environment that you that you're hunting in thus driving the learning curve uh drawing it out a little bit more so uh dude but it sounds like you're you're on the right path yeah um you know i got i did end up shooting one up in kentucky um i did um shot a decent little seven point um nothing to write crazy home about but i was when i say jacked oh man i was even more jacked than the buck i shot down here in florida because it was like i finally put the puzzle pieces together i was in the deer all week and uh just the excitement level is was really there um so it's gonna be a good season that's awesome man so this year you're you're hunting kentucky and florida again you taking any other trips uh, no, I was supposed to do Illinois with some guys that I shoot tournaments with, but the dates are going to, they're going to be up there, uh, in November, like the November 8th through the 15th. And I'm already going to be in Kentucky. I go up there for, uh, 10 days. We got some family that lives like 10 minutes away from two units that are bow only. And it's oh, almost cool. like we have them to ourselves. Yeah, we got a little 60-acre private parcel that butts up to one of them on the backside. So we kind of have, like, VIP uh, access to the back without having to cut two and a half, three miles all the way to get to the back from the front. Ooh, so that's a win. It, oh, it was a, it's a major win. And that's how we, we really dialed them in last season. Um, I, we think we really figured some things out. So we're both pretty excited to, uh, to get up to this year and see what it's about. Sounds good, man. Well, hey awesome story and uh i'm glad you're part of the whitetail community and uh man the only thing that i can say is uh good luck this upcoming season and definitely keep me posted on uh on your success no i absolutely will man i appreciate it and there you have it ladies and gentlemen Uh, again thank you very much for taking time out of your day to download this podcast um, huge shout out to all the partners of the, the Nine, Finger Chronicle, uh, Nine Finger Chronicles. We have Wasp, Vortex, Hunt Stand, Ozonix, Lone Wolf, Exodus, and Excalibur. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast, right? All of these companies are making very good products. They've been around for a good chunk of time, and they have staying power, and that is because they have high quality products, right? And they care about the end users. So go check them out. Again, Nine Finger Chronicles on Instagram and Facebook. Please go to the Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel. Check it out. I, I uploaded some Nine Finger Kitchen episodes. And last but not least, man, be kind to your neighbor. Good vibes in, good vibes out. Wear your safety harness, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you.